Hello and welcome to the RBC Ross Trevor Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community, to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoyed this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. To uh, today, as we look at this idea of uh, reawakening, and uh, today is Launch Sunday, and it's just a day to kind of uh, share about where we believe God is taking us this year and uh, some of the opportunities that we believe God is inviting us into uh, as a community of faith uh, this year. I like to, and I think it's helpful just at the start of every year, just to take a day out like this or at least just a, a message like this uh, to uh, kind of in a way just to re-articulate our vision as a church and what we're on about and uh, how we kind of see that playing out in 2022. So today and over the next uh, three weeks, uh, we're going to be uh, speaking more about all of that and where we see God uh, is taking us this year. As we as we began to pray as a, as a team and think through this year and come to this year and give it before God, we had this sense from God that rather than a launch into something completely different and, and something new, that what we would actually do is we actually felt it was right that we actually still just sit and soak and spend some more time in this idea of awakening and discipleship. We kind of started this uh, last year and uh, we just kind of feel we've only just started to really scratch the surface on this thing and so we wanted to this year to spend some more time uh, looking at awakening and, and uh, discipleship and we've just kind of you know, given a little bit of a different name because it's a new year but the whole idea is uh, that we are wanting to look at uh, re-awakening. You see, I believe that we are in a cultural moment right now that has its challenges and it has its complexities, right? You and I know we're living in the midst of a a global pandemic at the moment, but we also find ourselves uh, in the rise of secularism around, uh, around our world and certainly in Australia. Many would actually think that we're uh, in a post-secularist kind of uh, country as well. Uh, we are actually in the seventh decade of a public narrative of the decline of Christianity in Australia. Uh, That's where we find ourselves uh, right now. Uh, There is a weakening voice, a weakening Christian voice in in our nation. But here's the thing, I believe that we are actually... Uh, we actually find ourselves at a place where there is great opportunity for reawakening, for spiritual reawakening in Australia, for spiritual reawakening in Adelaide, for spiritual reawakening in our lives. And so rather than being down and despondent about our future, regardless of knowing all the challenges and the complex nature of things at the moment, I'm actually wildly hopeful about the future of the church. I'm wildly hopeful about the future of the church in Australia and faith uh, here. And here's what I, I want. I want to be part of, and my invitation to all of us as a church is this, I want to be part of, and I want to invite you too to be part of a changing narrative of Christianity in Australia. 
I think this is what we are embarking on and where we are going. Now, you might hear reawakening and you might think that this is a year uh, where Dan's just going to be asking everybody to whip up their faith and just to, to do just a whole, lot, a whole lot more and it's just about you know, getting more amped up in our, in our faith as we look at reawakening. Well, I want you to know that that's not what we're looking at this year. That's not what this year is about. Instead, this year is actually a year about going back to the basics of our faith. It's about reawakening discipleship. It's about reawakening discipleship because it's as God's people take their apprenticing to Jesus, their discipleship seriously, that reawakening happens within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, reawakening begins in the heart. It happens as people look up to God, not in to the self. It happens when there is a move of the Holy Spirit. And so if there's going to be a reawakening in Australia, there needs to be a reawakening within us. There needs to be a reawakening of discipleship. There needs to be God's people getting back to the basics of humbling ourselves of praying, of turning from our ways and of seeking his face. That's what it's going to take and that's what this year is going to be about. Have a look what Mark Sayers says in his book, Reappearing Church. He says, spiritual reawakenings happen when people get to the end of themselves and there's nothing to rely on except a contending on your knees for God's presence to move. I love that. And this is where we want to head this year. We want to head to a contending of, of God, of the presence of God. So today, from Luke chapter 6, 12 to 19, what I want to do to launch the year, of, year ahead is kind of take just a big picture, 30,000 foot view, as opposed to a deep dive, uh, look at how Jesus made disciples and unpack three relational priorities that he had that will frame our teaching and shape our ministry in 2022. You see, as we faithfully, I believe, pursue these three relational priorities like Jesus did, then we position ourselves for reawakening. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 6, 12 to 19. That's Luke 6, 12 through to 19. Let's have a look at verse, verse 12. Verse 12 says this. One of those days... Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Firstly, from the life of Jesus, we see that reawakening flows from prioritizing intimacy with God. Jesus prioritized deepening relationship with his Father. We could call this his up relationship. And I wonder today... How would you describe your intimacy and relationship with God? Are you enjoying God or are you avoiding God? Is there, are you enjoying prayer? Are you living with an abiding sense of the presence of God in your life? Church, here's the thing. Nothing matters more 
than your relationship with God. Why? Because everything flows from our intimacy with him. Look what Proverbs 4 verse 23 says. It says, above all else, above all else, nothing matters more. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And everything you do flows from your intimacy with God. Uh, In her book, Invitation to Solitude and Rest, uh, Ruth Haley Barton speaks about something that she calls the the push-pull phenomenon. And she writes this, she writes, Although we may be quite convinced that we need to pursue intimacy with God, fear, doubt and resistance often flare up right at the moment when we are about to enter in. I call this perplexing dynamic the push-pull phenomenon. Have you experienced the push-pull phenomenon? Of course you have. The person next to you has. Oh, I have. We all have. We feel a, a push towards intimacy with God, but we find ourselves consistently pulled away. I, I want to see God. I don't want to see God. Oh, I want to hear from God. I don't want to hear from God. I want to be with God. I don't want to be with God. You know this wrestle. We know this wrestle. We all experience this phenomenon. And so often we give in to the pull. Why? Because we're afraid. We're fearful and afraid of ourselves. We're afraid of being alone with God. Other times we give in to the pull because of shame. We think that there is something wrong with me. There's something defective within me and because of that God wouldn't want to spend any time with me. So we withdraw and we pull away. Other times we give in to the pull because we are far too easily distracted by the things of this world. Church, here's the deal. We are living in contested space. The world is discipling and forming you, whether you know it or realise it. God is seeking our whole hearts, but the fight for our heart and its allegiance is real. There are many forces at work today that are subtly seeking to steal our allegiance and our affection away from God and onto themselves. And here's the thing, the enemy does not care what steals our heart as long as it is something other than God. In Psalm 86.11, we read this little yet mighty prayer. And this year, you couldn't do much better. You couldn't do much better than learning this prayer off by heart. One of the basics is scripture memorization. How can we get back to learning and memorizing scripture? We can learn things like this off by heart and pray it every day. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Church, we must continually ask for an undivided heart because here's the the danger. If we have a divided heart, we are at risk of misliving our lives. You're at risk of misliving your life. 
You see, we're living at a time when everyone seems to be chasing after an abundant and a full life. And yet, at the same time, more and more people are just damaging and sabotaging their lives at a rapid rate. Instead of pursuing the one of ultimate value and worth, it is possible for you and I, it is possible for us to squander our lives because we let our hearts become distracted and captured by lesser things. So it's horrifying, it's horrifying to think that at the end of your life, you might look back and recognise that you mislived your one life. You don't have another life on earth after this one. Most certainly we have a, a life in heaven and eternity. That is coming for us. But we have a life here and we have a purpose here that God has given to us. We don't want to mislive our life. How's the state of your heart today? How's the state of your heart is your heart divided? Are you at risk of misliving your life? Church, I don't want us to mislive our lives because of a divided heart. And that's why this year we want to prioritise discipleship and seeking God. We want to prioritise paying attention to the state of our heart because reawakening begins in the heart. It's where it starts. Everything flows from your intimacy with God. And so to help us this year, what we are going to do is we're going to teach on and encourage spiritual practices that would reawaken us uh, and reawaken our heart and our passion for the things of God. And so in the lead up to Easter, we will spend time soaking in the book of Ephesians. And the, the series in Ephesians is designed to reawaken us to the beauty of the gospel, the fact that Jesus is Lord, and how the gospel story should reshape every other part of our story. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to spend time in the book of Ephesians. In the middle of the year, we're going to spend a month in a little book called Haggai, in the Old Testament. When was the last time you read the book of Haggai? It's not one that we tend just to reopen up on our daily devotions. That might be Psalms or Proverbs or we might go to the book of John. The last time we looked at the book of Haggai, it's not one we tend to go to. But here's the thing. Haggai, I believe, speaks directly and prophetically into our current day. It teaches us that what we do with our life matters, that our choices that we make each day matter, and that our obedience as God's people is part of how God wants to work in this world. So we're going to stop in the book of Haggai. We are also going to spend a whole month on the spiritual practice of Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest. We are prone to restlessness, aren't we, as people? We wear busy as a badge of honour and our digital age only amplifies the problem. But finding rest, eliminating hurry, moving at a sacred pace, making time for Sabbath was one of the most important spiritual practices of Jesus. 
And as his apprentices, if it was good enough for Jesus and important for him, then it must be something too that we adopt and model in our discipleship to him. And we must adopt the same restfulness of Jesus in our lives, which is more than just a day, but it's a spirit by which we live. And so we're going to spend some time there. We'll also look at other spiritual practices through the years, such as silence and solitude, prayer, scripture reading and memorization. And so it's going to be a really wonderful year, I think, in the Word of God and looking to live out the discipleship practices of our Saviour Jesus. And so I share this with us today because if you are a Connect Group leader, if you are leading a ministry area in some fashion or form, or you just want to shape your own personal devotional life around what we're looking at in church, I encourage you to spend time in Ephesians, spend time in Haggai, and look at the spiritual disciplines and how we can put them and apply them and live them out in our lives. Secondly, from the life of Jesus we see that reawakening flows from pursuing deep relationship with others in God's family. Jesus pursued authentic community and made room to do life with other believers. This was, we could call, was his in relationship. Have a look at uh, Luke 6 verses 13 and it says this, When morning came, Jesus called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. And he goes on and he lists all of those people who were the apostles who he drew near to him. See, Jesus had a regular rhythm of up with God and in with God's people. He invested deeply into these 12 people. He invested deeply into his three as well. And he calls his closest family, he calls his closest friends, sorry, extended family. You see, church, we are not called to be like family. Rather, we are family. We are extended family. And this is important because transformation, which is a disciple of Jesus, looking, acting, thinking and sounding more like Jesus happens best in the context of community and extended family. See, life change happens best within the context of community. Uh, Pastor Mike uh, Mills and I were just talking this week and we're throwing this idea around and, and he said this, he said, inspiration and information can be found anywhere, but transformation really only occurs in community. And it's so true. In other words, you can be informed and inspired by accessing great preaching and teaching on YouTube or listening to your favourite worship you know, and crafting your own beautifully curated playlist of worship songs on Spotify, but it's only by being in authentic community with extended family where you are actually close enough to rub up against other people and see their life and imitate the way that they make disciples and their discipleship, but also close enough for other people to imitate your discipleship and how you make disciples. That only happens in the context of 
community. You see, it's only in community where you can challenge or be challenged by someone and be held accountable. It's only in community where you can uh, meet the practical needs of others and they can meet yours. Now, the Apostle Paul, he knew this. He knew this, and he, he writes this uh, in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. He says, Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our what? Our lives as well. You see, Paul knew the importance of making room for others and giving them access to his life. Paul knew that discipleship happens best in the, around tables than it does from behind a pulpit or from a platform. Paul knew that. That's why he says we were delighted to share with you our very lives as well. Now, I'm sure that you've experienced this, and this is very humbling for somebody who preaches regularly, but often it's not through listening to good preaching, but listening to good friends that brings the most spiritual transformation in our lives. You know this to be true. It's the spiritual conversations around the table late in the evening with good friends that burns that fire and that passion in your heart for God and his mission. It's a mate's text message with a little nugget of wisdom that helps you to make a kingdom choice the next day rather than the choice that you were going to make that was earthly and wasn't going to put your life on a good path or it's the late night phone call and prayer that just from a friend who has a way of calming the anxious heart so that you can sleep that night and wake up the next morning and go on about life. It's in those moments that often bring about the lasting change in us and that make us more like Jesus. And so this year, the invitation is going to be for us to live more open as disciples, to make room for others, to live with open circles. How can we live with less inner circles as a church and more open circles? What's that going to look like for RBC this year, for your groups to live with less inner circles and more open circles. And so, one of the back-to-basic discipleship habits that we're going to look to encourage from here is that of making room around your table for others, that of hospitality. For many of us, the home is a, a place of rest. Well, it certainly is for me, sometimes not always, at 5.30 in the morning with a little tacker, and if you're homeschooling, I'm sure it's not always a place of rest uh, for you. But I wonder this, how can we begin to use our home, our lounge room, our table more as a place for discipleship and mission, just as opposed to a place of rest? What could it look like this year for you and your family to eat, not only to feed your stomachs, but to nourish the souls of others in our community? And just so you know, if you're thinking, 
at this point, well, Dan, um, I, I don't you know, always want to have people around in my house. I can't always do that. I'm going to talk about some of that in a moment. But you might want to actually take uh, the principle of our master, Jesus, uh, when he was with Zacchaeus. And he actually invited himself around to Zacchaeus' house for tea. And so you could try that. Um, it's actually, in all seriousness, it actually works. Um, hey, invite yourself around to somebody's house. You might not even go to the house. You might just go out to a park with someone, right? Or out for lunch or something. But there's no excuses when it comes to this this year. Um, a couple of weeks back, we were discussing this very thing in our discipleship huddle. And one of the things that came up was how easy it is to confuse hospitality with entertaining. And that this confusion creates a barrier for people to make room at their tables because of the pressure to have the house, the kids, the food, the dog, and the throw rugs perfect. Okay? But Liam, Liam made a great point in the conversation. He makes many great points, but he made a particularly great point here. He said, standards that host set are never the standard that your guests have. So true, right? So we can't let the fact that things aren't polished stop us making room around our table. So true. You see, hospitality and entertaining are different. Author and pastor Jen Wilkins, she wrote this. She wrote, hospitality is always thinking about the next course. Sorry, entertaining is always thinking about the next course. Hospitality burns the rolls because it was listening to a good story. Entertaining obsesses over what went wrong. Hospitality savours what was shared. Entertaining seeks to impress, but hospitality seeks to bless. Hospitality, making room for others, living with open circles, not inner circles. This is basic Christian biblical discipleship. This was Jesus' in. And this is what you and I are called to this year, no excuses. And so to help us make room and pursue deeper relationships with one, with one another this year, we're going to spend six weeks in the Gospel of Luke and we're going to look at what it means to belong and to participate in God's family. So we're going to spend time there. This year we're also going to be looking at how we can better care for one another here at RBC which will also include a revitalization of our connect group ministries. We believe that connect groups are key to finding community here at RBC. And so we just want to make sure that they are serving all of us well, now and into the future. And in 2020, we, we set out, I don't know if you remember 2020, we set out to begin a process of defining some cultural values uh, statements as a church. But COVID kind of put a stop uh, to that, but this year we want to pick that up again. And so we want to hear from you, and so we're going to consult widely across the life of the church with our surveys and focus groups. And by the end of the year, our plan is to have settled on some cultural value statements that the Elders Council will ultimately sign off on that will guide us and move God's mission forward here at RBC for the years to come. And finally today, from the way Jesus made disciples, we see that reawakening flows as we partner in God's mission and have a heart for the lost, for people who seem far from God.
Have a look at what uh, Jesus says here in Luke, um, sorry, in Luke chapter 6, verse 17. And we could say this was his out. He had a rhythm of being up with God, in with God's people, and out on mission. He went down with them. Just can I just pause for a second here and say, too, do you notice what that says? He went down with who? With his disciples. He went down with them and with the people. Jesus did mission with people. He took people along with him. Okay? He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Jesus lived in such a way that enabled God to work both in him and through him in ways that blessed, healed, saved and renewed this world. And so despite the challenges that we face at the moment, we are going to continue to play our part in seeing God's mission to save, bless and renew the world. We're going to continue that way. And so collectively, what's this going to look like? Well, it's going to look like continuing with Alpha, continuing with Enrich Life initiatives, as these are key ways, are both key ways of seeing salvation, of seeing blessing and renewal and reawakening happen within our within our community, within, our, um, within Adelaide and across even Australia and the world. This year too, we believe this, we believe that we can see our Broadview campus take another step towards revitalisation and release. And we're excited by what God is doing down there. He's doing some wonderful things. Just over four years ago now, four years ago, we stepped out in faith together to revitalise Broadview Baptist Church. A group of 30 or so adventurers went down to join the handful of people who are worshipping there so that together we could see a vibrant and growing community of faith established in Broadview and Prospect areas. Let me tell you, it hasn't always been an easy road. It's taken its toll on leaders, on, on people, but that's partly what happens in God's mission and ministry. But God has been faithful, and there are now some 90 people uh, of all ages down there who would call Broadview home. We may have trouble in the next few years with the size of the chapel, if you've ever been down there, and where that would actually be. So we believe that by the end of this year, our goal is... To um, and so our goal by the end of this year is to establish that community in what we call phase three of our four-phase revitalisation plan, which essentially is this. It's about trying to uh, see the governing capacity and leadership and st governing uh, structures of that community be developed further, all underneath the governance still of RBC and our Elders' Council. But that is step three which is really exciting that over the last four years we've moved through phase one, two, and by the end of this year we believe that we can be at phase three. So please continue to pray 
for Broadview. Pray for Pastor Andrew and uh, pray for all that God is doing down there. But as we close today, what about you? What about you personally? How is it that you are going to partner and get involved in God's mission in 2022? Now, as we go throughout this year, uh, we are going to provide a range of different ways uh, and speak into ways and habits and missional habits that you can adopt and, uh, and use as you live out uh, uh, God's mission and, and partner in it. But today, I want to give you one. All right? I want to give us one uh, missional habit that is basic but profound. And it is this. It is interceding prayer. Interceding prayer. It is to pray regularly that your friends who don't know Jesus will meet Jesus. Look at what Paul writes in Romans 10.1. He says, Believe me, friends. All I want for Israel is what's best for Israel. Salvation. Nothing less. I want it with all my heart and pray to God for it all the time. Is that what you want with all your heart? Is that what I want for all my heart? And to pray all the time for Adelaide? To pray all the time for our friends, our people who don't yet know Jesus? Partnering with God's mission is about having a heart for people who don't yet know God. Can I ask a potentially scary question for us? It's this. If every lost person who you were praying for came to faith, how many people would be saved? If every lost person that you were praying for came to faith, how many people would be saved? Now, Hear me on this. This is not a question that Dan is asking to lump more guilt on people. Seriously, we're about grace. I don't want that. I don't want more guilt on people. That's not what I'm asking this for. But I am asking this question for illumination and to shine light on the, play, on the fact of where is, our, where is our heart, where is our passion for those who don't yet know Jesus, where are and where is our priority? I wonder whether one of the reasons we aren't seeing more people come to faith than we are isn't because of the poor state of our culture, but it's actually because of the poor state of our prayer life when it comes to praying for the lost. Do you think that could be true? Do you think it could be true? I reckon I'm, I think it's pretty right. I'm speaking for myself here as well. But church, God has called us to partner with him in interceding for the lost in prayer. It's not your job. It's not my job to save people. It's not my job. It's not your job to get somebody across a line. That's the Spirit's work. 
And so the way that we partner in God's mission is through praying and through interceding prayer because that is how the Spirit is released into the lives of people as he draws them to himself. And so here's my challenge. Here's, maybe put it this way, here's my invitation to us this year. How can we, or can we, commit ourselves to praying every day for three of our friends who don't yet know Jesus? Maybe you could do it this way. One friend in the morning, one friend in the afternoon, one friend in the evening. What would it look like for us to grow in that and commit ourselves to praying? I'm not even asking, you hear what I'm saying here? I'm not even asking us to, to speak. I'm actually just asking us to pray and to get on our knees and intercede for our nation, intercede for our friends, for those who we know who don't yet know Jesus. Would you stand with me today? Because I want to pray. And today, just to recap what we've looked at today, we've said that this year is going to be a year where we want to go back to the basics of discipleship. We want to reawaken discipleship and spiritual practices. We want to prioritise our intimacy with God. We want to pursue deep relationships with those in God's family. And we want to partner in God's mission and having a lost, a heart for the lost. Let me ask you today, what is God saying to you right now? I believe that God is speaking to you right now. As we prioritise intimacy with God, you know what happens? We actually get better at hearing God, at hearing his voice. What is God saying to you now? And here's the discipleship question. This is, well, that's the first discipleship question. Here's the second key discipleship question. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about what God is saying to you? Is God calling you this year? Are you sensing God calling you to prioritise prayer with him and increase intimacy with him? Is that the area that God is saying to you as we look at this? Maybe it's him saying, do you know what, I've just got to open my table. I haven't done that. When was the last time you had somebody around your house? Well, maybe it's very conscious of your own inner circles and God's saying, you've got to open them up. What's he saying to you and what are you going to do about it? Maybe as we looked at this idea of interceding prayer, he is saying to you today that that's an area, that's a weakness, that's a gap in your discipleship. And he's saying, yeah, you know what? I've got three friends and I'm going to put their name on the fridge and every morning, every evening and afternoon, I'm going to pray for them. Or however it works for you. I'm just throwing out some ideas that might be helpful for you. So Spirit of God, you're at work in this place and you are touching lives. You are speaking to people. And I know that. I know that because 
You are a speaking God. You're a God who is not dead, but you're a God who is alive. You're a God who is passionate about this world. You're a God who is passionate about each of us in this room. You're a God who is passionate about reawakening. And so, God, I know that you are at work. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be people who have ears to hear. Open our ears, open our hearts to not be people who just hear from you and then shut it up and away, but actually live it out and do it this year, I pray. So, Spirit of God, I pray for an awakening of discipleship among our church. I pray for a spiritual awakening in Australia. Lord, I pray for an awakening of people's intimacy with you. Lord, I pray that we would be a community that lives more open to one another, that opens our tables, that lives with an open circle, that makes room for people. And Lord, I pray that you would stir within us a heart for those who don't yet know you. Oh, Father, that's your heart is for this world and you have called us to partner with your work and your mission. You're the one who's at work. But Lord, you call us to interceding prayer for people. And Lord, may we just even be able to pick that up this year. So Lord, to you be the glory this year. May you receive the highest praise. We want to worship you. We want to give our hearts to you. We want to come before you now in surrender. We want to come to the end of ourselves today and come to the start of you in worship and in praise. So would you, would you lift your voices now and would we sing and would we give God all of the praise that is due to his name today? Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Spirit of God, have your way. Have your way in this place. Oh, we praise you, Lord. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through the hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.